0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almsgiving, prayer, and fasting. These three form their own little trinity of devout Christian practice. Each requires something from us. Almsgiving requires money that we give away freely. Prayer requires spending time with God and placing before Him our needs, the needs of others, and the needs of the world. Fasting requires self-denial from us of food, not so we starve, but to make us more heightened in our sense and less sluggish in the world. Now, before we look into each of these three in greater detail, I want you to recall something that I find curious and, I'm afraid to say, most Christians seem to miss. And it is this. Jesus says, whenever you give or pray or fast, not if you choose to, but when you do these things, there is the implication." Uh, in, 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 implication that neither of these three are optional for the Christian. Neither of these three are something you may or may not do, like a choose-your-own-adventure book. I choose to pray, but fasting is so medieval. The implication is we are to do these things. So, what is almsgiving anyways? Well, it may surprise you to know that almsgiving is not the same as your tithe. Almsgiving is when you give money for the use of helping the poor, those who are less fortunate than you. It isn't giving somebody a job out of sympathy and then paying them wages. Rather, it is giving money, and it is always money to them, free and clear of any obligation on their part, or giving it to places like the church to distribute to the poor in order to aid them. There used to be two boxes in many churches so that when you came in during the week for your prayers, you could pay your tithe in one box or place your alms in another box. In Judaism, there is a teaching that is related to what Jesus says about not letting the right hand know what the left hand doing is doing, and it's this, when you give alms, when you reach into your pocket to pull out the coins, Give what's in your hand without counting it. The idea of giving freely, emptying yourself out for the person who is truly needy, and doing so without fanfare, without hoping for an honor, and without any want of return for reward. Because Jesus says, your father who sees in secret will reward you. I think we all have a good idea about what prayer is, maybe even how and why we pray. But the question tonight is, do we pray? Or is it just something we think about when the going gets a little bit tougher than what we would like for it to be? Is our habit to pray daily? Or is the best we tend to do to send up those little arrow prayers, God help me? Oftentimes we hear people saying things like, well, in my prayer life. And the problem is that we shouldn't have a prayer life like we have a social life, a work life, or a family life. It isn't about having a prayer life as much as being lives of prayer, walking, breathing, eating prayers. St. Paul, in his first epistle to the Thessalonians, reminds them and us that we must rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Our Orthodox brothers and sisters have the most remarkable and simple prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, Have mercy on me, a sinner. You can say it while you're driving, while you're cooking, while you're walking, while you're shopping, while doing nothing or doing something. And if you say it enough, if you learn how to make it a breath prayer, it becomes almost like a soundtrack in the background of your mind. You learn how to pray without ceasing. Maybe now, today is the day to start committing to prayer. Maybe not deep, deep hour, two hour long moments, but five or ten minutes of deep prayer each day. And if you need help, do come and see me. And let's not forget the question our blessed Lord asked of the disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane. Could you not stay awake with me one hour? Stay awake and pray that you may come not into the time of trial. For the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Yes, we need to remember that our flesh is weak. Virtues and vices, temptations, and appetites that never to be, never seem to be sated. We are indeed weak creatures. I am certain because I know I have the same problems that none of you probably also have, uh, which is going to a Mexican food restaurant and eating just one chip in a restaurant while they sit there in front of you, especially with salsa and queso, we might say to ourselves, oh, a few won't hurt. But after we've eaten the basket, and after the waitress brings a fresh supply, and we go at it again and maybe empty that second basket, we keep eating and eating on those chips, even though we said we're only going to have one. You see, we do that with so many other things too. Binge watching a television show, playing video games until all hours scrolling through facebook mindlessly and endlessly while there is a person sitting right across from you who wants to be in relationship with you and then there's the one more drink the one more cigarette the one more cookie the one more cake a little more chocolate and another little bit of cheese it's all gluttony but fasting And truly fasting is the remedy. Now, let me address something that I hear more and more and see more and more and just in conversations hear more and more, and it's this. People say, well, I'm going to give up something like cussing for Lent. Well, good, but that isn't a fast. Fast. This week, I have seen plastered all over Facebook that Pope Francis has given some suggestions for fasting, like not saying hurting words or not being angry or not being pessimistic, but instead to say kind words, to have patience and to be filled with hope. Good, once again, but that isn't fasting. Both of these are examples of things that, as Christians, we should already be doing and already be striving for. These are works of virtue that we should daily try to improve upon. Fasting is about giving up food. There is no other way to fast. Lent, which is the season we now find ourselves in, is commonly associated as a season of fasting and penance. And with that comes the question, well, why fast from food? Why fast at all? Is it fasting some old, outdated practice that only certain sects do? Well, Christians of every stripe do indeed fast. Roman Catholics, Orthodox, even Baptists and non-denominationalists, many Christians do practice fasting, and we do as well. Fasting is certainly not outdated, and it doesn't show any sign of ceasing anytime soon. So why do you fast from food? Well, the first reason is our Lord commands it. When you fast. That's what our gospel reading said. When you fast. Our Lord also said that we would fast once again after he ascended into heaven and was no longer physically with us. The second reason for fasting is it sharpens our senses. When you're slightly hungry, you might feel a little sluggish, maybe even a little tired. But if you fast long enough, you will find that your mind sharpens, that your body reacts in a new and different way than if it was fed all of the time. This is one reason why soldiers in ancient Greece and in the old Roman Empire used to not eat for a day or two before a battle ensued. They knew they would have their strength, but by not being full, by not being heavy, and I think we all know that heavy feeling we get when we eat, they would have an advantage over the opposing army. But fasting teaches us something else. It teaches us reliance on God. It puts our body and our soul, along with our mind and our emotions, back into synchronicity with God. Fasting is much like exercise. Fasting is much easier than trying to control one of the vices. Instead, let's exercise our spiritual muscles. It's like this. Let's say one of the seven deadly sins is really bothering you. You find yourself being greedy or full of wrath or lusting after things or people, things you know to be wrong. And working through this, you fail because your passions are too strong or too controlling. They overpower your self-will. And the reason is you have no spiritual muscle, as it were. You're out of shape. You can't combat gluttony or pride. Fasting is like this exercise for the soul. It helps us put on spiritual muscles to combat sin, combat our passions, and then in turn, we build muscle, and we call these the virtues. If you can fast for a few hours, a day, a few days even, it will help to give you strength to meet the spiritual challenges that we all face. Think about it this way. Marathon runners never run full marathons until the day of the race. They run a mile here, a few miles there, maybe 10 miles on Saturday. But they don't run that full 26.2 miles every day. If they did, they would literally wear out their bodies. But because they can run 1, 5, 10, 15 miles... And methodically trained to do it, they know instinctively and with a degree of certainty that they can make the entire course. When I was preparing for my pilgrimage in October, I spent a few days walking a little more and a few days walking a little more on top of that. I knew I could walk 10 miles, which prepared me for the longest day of my walk a 25 mile push, and after that, I knew I could make it the full 180 miles from London to Walsingham, but I trained to do it little by little. And that is exactly how fasting is. But think about this too. Let's say you've decided to give up chocolate or alcohol or meat or even that mid-afternoon Starbucks coffee. Don't say to yourself, look at all the money I'm saving. Rather, put that change aside, and when it's time to give alms for the poor, this coming Sunday, for instance, put that money there. If you're truly giving something up, Give the value of it up as well. Fasting can teach us charity how to love our neighbors who are in need. But don't stop there. When you feel the urge to break the fast, to cheat just a little bit or to give up, that's the perfect opportunity to pray. Pray for the strength to meet your challenge. Pray for the self-will to endure just a little longer. If it's near lunchtime, pray the noonday prayers found in your prayer book. It only takes about five minutes to pray. By praying in this temptation, you are training yourself, building your spiritual muscles to pray in times of other temptations, like when you find yourself becoming angry or jealous or uncharitable thoughts start bubbling up inside of you. Make this a holy Lent, and use it as a training field. Make this a season when you prepare to do battle against the sin in your life by learning to call upon Jesus. Make this a Lent when you take Jesus at His word that everyone who wishes to follow him must take up their cross and die to self, but even in this, that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Make this a Lent, where you learn the real worth of yourself, which isn't in what you have, but is in who you are to God. Don't store up treasures on earth, where moth and rust consume, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust consume, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be.